Good morning, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Phoebe Kent is our greeter, Paulette Amory is our pianist, and we warmly welcome our guest, Omiyemi, as our guest speaker today. If you're on Zoom, at this time you might want to change to speaker view so that you'll have a better view of whoever is speaking. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit the website to download a copy. If you're visiting today, we are glad you're here. We invite you to say hello in the chat if you would like. And if you'd like to sign up for the email list, you can fill out our visitor form at wuu.org. After the service, everyone is invited to join a facilitated small group Zoom conversation to check in and talk about the service. We also have a special breakout group for visitors and newcomers to gather at the end of the service. If you are new or newish and you'd like to meet other new folks, as well as some people who have been around a while, please let us know by typing a note into the chat. I have no other announcements on this Thanksgiving weekend Sunday. And now Paulette will play Tiahamba from the Teal Again, welcome. We are happy that you've joined us. Whether you have come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You are seen here, even if we cannot see each other physically. If you are a visitor, we offer you a special welcome and warm thank you for joining us today. Now, I invite you to join us in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, think of saying them to each other and know that we are connected across the distance. I am pasting the words in the chat. Soon. <laughs> the, uh, okay. uh, people on Zoom, we will unmute you so that you can hear each other as we embrace the chaos that connects us. 
And actually, I can't paste Dave Wilcox if you want to paste them. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Come, 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 come wherever you are. 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 Wherever you Introduction of Alice Walker's We Are the Ones We Have Been Waiting For. It is the worst of times. It is the best of times. It is the worst of times because it feels as though the very earth is being stolen from us, by us, the land and air poisoned, the water polluted, the animals disappeared, humans degraded and misguided. War is everywhere. It is the best of times because we have entered a period, if we can bring ourselves to pay attention, of great clarity as to cause and effect. A blessing when we consider how much suffering human beings have endured in previous millennia without a clue to its cause. Gods and goddesses were no doubt created to fill this gap. 
because we can now see into every crevice of the globe and because we are free to explore previously unexplored crevices in our own hearts and minds. It is inevitable that everything we have needed to comprehend in order to survive, everything we have needed to understand in the most basic of ways will be illuminated now. We have only to open our eyes and awaken to our predicament. We see that we are, alas, a huge part of our problem. However, we live in a time of global enlightenment. This alone should make us shout for joy. It is as if ancient graves hidden deep in the shadows of the psyche and the earth are breaking open of their own accord, unwilling to be silent any longer, incapable of silence. No leader or people of any country will be safe from these upheavals that lead to exposure. No matter how much the news is managed or how long people's grievances have been kept quiet. Human beings may well be unable to break free of the dictatorship of greed that spreads like a miasma over the world, but no longer will we be an inarticulate and ignorant humanity, confused by our own enslavement to superiority, to superior cruelty and weaponry. We will know at least a bit of truth about what is going on and that will set us free perhaps not free in the old way of thinking about freedom as literal escape from enslavement in its various forms, but free in our understanding that our domination is not a comment on our worth. It is an awesome era in which to live. It was the poet June Jordan who wrote, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Sweet Honey and the Rock turned those words into a song. Hearing this song, I've witnessed thousands of people rise to their feet in joyful recognition and affirmation. We are the ones we have been waiting for because we are able to see what is happening with as much greater awareness than our parents or grandparents or ancestors could see. This does not mean we believe, having seen the greater truth of how all oppression is connected how pervasive and unrelenting that we can fix things. But some of us are not content to have a gap in opportunity and income that drives a wedge between rich and poor, causing the rich to become ever more callous and complacent and the poor to become ever more wretched and humiliated. Not willing to ignore starving and brutalized children not willing to let women be stoned or mutilated without protest, not willing to stand quietly by as farmers are destroyed by people who have never farmed and plants are engineered to self-destruct, not willing to disappear into our flower gardens, Mercedes Benzes, or Sylvan lawns. We have all wanted our lives to know that Earth, who has somehow obtained human beings as her custodians was also capable of creating humans who could minister to her needs and the needs of her creation. We are the ones. Come and let us worship together. Now, please join me in singing the words to light our chalice.
If you have a chalice handy, please go ahead and light it now. And we will spotlight Gigi. We can find her and we will unmute you again and we will say the words in unison that are in the chat. We light this chalice. For the energy of action. And for the harmony of peace. Of peace in our hearts. Carry in our hearts. In our world. Hello. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be with you today. Um, we got a story we're going to listen to um, shortly and watch, but I want to kind of introduce this story and kind of tee it up. Um, kind of some of the important characters in this story are many, many different animals, but even more important to me are the many instruments that play a role in this story. Um, I think early during the breakout, someone mentioned, um, I have, this is the first time I've seen Scott Varney without sound. So, well, I had to change that now. So, but anyway, um, so just like a lot of the instruments we see and hear in mon many of our, um, you know, modern day music that we listen to, um, there's a rich origin story to each instrument. And um, a lot of this origin story dates way, way back and um, many of these instruments actually come and have um, an origin story in West Africa. So I'm going to share some of these um, instruments with you. And what I want you to do when the story's playing, I want you to try to see if you can hear some of these instruments. Only one of them does not show up in the story, but I wanted to share it with you anyway. But um, so the first one I'm going to share with you is called the Giro. So the Giro is... Um, Usually hear it a lot in Latin music, and it's usually played by a, a singer while they're um, while they're performing. But um, there are artifacts that were found in West Africa of different gourds and things that were um, that were found um, with this instrument. And basically, this is how it's played. So hopefully, you guys could hear that. So. Um, but again, this is the gyro, and this actually has a very important role in the story, so I want you to listen out for it. All right, so next up, I'm sure you've seen these. This is a shaker. So shakers have been around forever. Shakers have shown up um, all over the world and from different places, um, Africa, um, Latin America, um, at, you know, Toys R Us, maybe painted in, you know, shape like this. Actually, Toys R Us isn't around anymore, but they sound like this. So hopefully you could hear that. All right. So now on to my some of my favorite instruments. This one is called the djembe, and it's spelled D-J-E-M-B-E, and it's spelled djembe. So um, I actually hadn't heard this, but there's a um, the name actually comes from a saying that was actually used, and it goes anke j anke bay, which actually translate to everyone gathered together in peace. So, which I think is a really, really cool idea of what this drum and specifically what its job was. A lot of the times you'd hear this in different um, dance, but um, also in a lot of storytelling. So it was said that um, a djembe player who's really, really skilled could tell a whole story just on this one drum. And um, I'll play a little bit for you and you can hear how it might sound in the story and how they might use it.
So hopefully you're able to hear that. All right. And the last one is this fun little guy right here. So this is a, it's called a talking drum, also from West Africa. It's kind of got this hourglass shape. It's got a drum head on two sides. And um, the way this one is played, if I just play it like this, it doesn't get much of a sound. But what um, the best way to play it is to actually hold it under your arm, and then you squeeze these little tension cords. And the idea is that as someone was playing this, they could emulate almost the idea of speech, almost how we talk, how we can change our pitch up and down. And um, it was used as a communication tool, but once again, it was also used for many, many different stories and, um, and dances and things like that. So let's hear how this one sounds. So typically you'd see one of these played with a curved stick. Um, my curved stick went missing, but um, yeah, typically you see this traditionally played with a curved stick. So I was kind of a little non-traditional. Anyway, so each of these instruments has, as you could hear, their very unique sound. And just like each of us, that can be used to communicate or tell stories. And when brought together, you can create a beautiful rhythm and song. So um, let's now hear a story of the first music, which is a um, a folktale from Africa. So. The First Music, written by Dylan Pritchett. To view this video, go to YouTube and search for The First Music, a folklore from Africa. Thank you, Scott. We invite you now to a moment for reflection and prayer to take a moment to call to mind those who are particularly on your heart today, joys and sorrows, the waves and the recovery, the ebb and flow of life. If you are on Zoom, you can type their name in the chat. Let us reach out extending waves of spirit and threads of loving presence to draw our circle wide. We send prayers of hope and courage and healing for all those suffering in our community, our country, and our world. Healing is the Soul Matters theme for November. And in these last days of the month, we think of all the ways we can help and protect others. Leading into our meditation, I will read a passage from Reverend Scott Taylor, who organizes the Soul Matters program. So we can have another moment to reflect on this month's theme of healing. This is what all the great spiritual traditions teach. Forget eliminating your pain, lean into it. Don't run, run from it as fast as you befriend it. Hold it in your frightened hands until you realize it's more malleable than you thought until you realize your strong and courageous hands can shape it, can take its sharp edges and mold them into pathways that connect you with other people's pain, can transform it from a weapon that has wounded you into a bridge that connects you with others. So then that we can realize that pain can be more than a cage cutting us off from the world. 
It can be a tool that makes room, that carves open an entirely new space to live, a space where we are more deeply connected to each other than we imagined possible. This of course does not mean the hurt goes away, but it does mean we end up feeling larger and more whole. And maybe that is the most important healing of all.
In the spirit of generosity, each Sunday we make an offering from the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. If you are joining us for the first time, please know that your presence is gift enough. This week's offering on the fifth Sunday goes to the minister's charitable giving fund. Your gifts this morning will help people in our congregation and in the larger community who need short-term help. With your gifts, you are sheltering homeless families, paying utility bills in the cold of winter, and offering hope in times of despair. If you'd like to give through our website, please click on giving online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, you can text the dollar amount to 757-500-0688. If you prefer to give by check, you can mail it to WUU. Thank you so much for your continuing generosity. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here as your guest worship leader for this final Sunday of November. I give thanks for this day, for the spiritual leadership of this worshiping community, for you and for all of the Ores and ancestors who are present and with us today. Many thanks to Susan Walkley for this invitation. 
as well as to the young people of YRUU with whom I met in June, an occasion which I believe was the inspiration for this moment. I must also give thanks to my Oluo, Chief Obafemi Fayemi, the Atum Fato compound where I received Itefa, Arisha, and Egbe, the leadership of Baba Ifasholi Akamba and Yeye Oshunkumiche Akambi, and all the elders who pressed my hand into the mud and who continue to teach me. May those who honor their teachers never suffer from neglect. In order to decide what message was best for this occasion, I consulted the Oduifa literary corpus through divination. In Isheshe Lagba, or the tradition of the ancients of Yoruba land, the Oduifa is a collection of indigenous stories, lessons, and scientific teachings that were preserved orally until recently. This literary corpus contains 16 books, which encompass 256 chapters and numerous verses. These chapters are expressed through binary symbols called Odu. Today's lesson comes from the 250th chapter, the Odu Ofun Otura, or when the giver Ofun meets the comforter disruptor Otura. One of the stories told in Ofun Otura is that of a young man, Arira, in search of a bride, and a young woman, Oshoro, who was in search of a husband. Both, looking for a different but similar thing, consulted the Oduifa through two separate priests. In order to get what they wanted, they were asked to make a sacrifice. Arira was instructed to take a sheep to the market and sell it while Oshoro was instructed to take a ram to the market and sell it. Both Arira and Oshoro arrived to the market at the same time and both crossed each other's pathways. However, neither paid attention to the other one, unlike the ram who wanted to mate with Arira's sheep. Conversely, Arira did not approve. Wanting to follow the priest's instructions, he sought to protect the sheep from the ram by striking it with a rod. And when Oshoto saw this, she sprung forward to save her ram from being struck, and the two began to quarrel. Now, upon seeing the quarreling, peacemakers at the market approached Arira and Oshoro to help them resolve the matter, and the two began to explain the cause of the fighting. Arira said, I came to the market to complete the required sacrifice to put an end to the issue of not having a wife. Similarly, Oshoro said, I came to the market to sell a ram in the market to put an issue to the to, to put an end to the issue of not having a husband. Surprised, the concerned peacemakers exclaimed, A lady looking for a husband met a man looking for a wife. A man looking for a wife met a lady looking for a husband. They both have seen what they're looking for. On hearing this, Arira and Oshoro set aside their differences and decided to become friends. They continued to meet at the market while courting. One thing led to another and Oshoro became pregnant. Unfortunately, by the time Oshoro discovered she was expecting, Arira had died. Oshoro would return to the market several times looking for him, but to no avail. She gave birth to their baby, a boy she named Ojodu, and a few years later, 
married a farmer. Now, Ojo Du was a bit of a rascal in his youth. Whenever his mother and stepfather would leave for work, as the oldest, he was left at home in charge of his siblings. But rather than care for them, he would beat them and eat all of the food alone. This, of course, infuriated Ojo Du's stepfather. So one day, his stepfather says, I am not your father, but is it now a crime to give a fatherless boy shelter? Why do you want to kill my children? This gave Ojo Du pause and made him think deeply about his life, his actions, and his parentage. Who was his father and where was he? Ojodu went to inquire about his father from his mother, Oshodo, who told him everything she knew about Arira, including the fact that he wasn't abandoned intentionally. She simply had been unable to tell him that he had become a father. So Ojodu asked his mother for help in finding out where his father's birthplace was located. Determined to know his lineage, Ojodu got the name and direction of the town from his, of his father, and together with his mother, they made their way to the Uba's compound. Now, unbeknownst to Oshoro and Ojudu, Arira was from a chieftaincy family and the only heir to the Oba of that town. Ojudu's paternal grandfather had just died, and the family was lamenting how Arira, as the legitimate son, could have been the one to be coronated had he not died untimely and died without leaving an heir behind. The Oba and his family had consulted the Odui file on the issue and they were told to be patient as an heir was coming. But the prince was dead and so far there was no Omoalade or an heir entitled to wear the crown. Ojodu and Oshoro arrive at Arira's house and describe who they are. As you can guess, there is much skepticism, a very cold reception, and they are accused of being greedy imposters here to steal the family heritage. Ojodu and Oshoro are told to return in seven days. At that time, Ojodu would undergo a test. If he was truly Arira's son, he had nothing to fear, for the legitimacy test was very simple. Ojo Du would divine with a four-lobed kola nut on the grave of his father. If the divination acknowledged Ojo Du as Arira's son, he would be welcomed into the family. If not, Ojo Du would be shot to death on the spot. Although a bit nervous upon hearing he might be executed, Ojodu proceeded with the divination as his intentions were honorable and he trusted in his mother. Fortunately for Ojodu, the divination revealed that he was in fact the Omoalade. So as not to waste the gunpowder used in loading the local rifle they wanted to use in shooting Ojodu if he was an imposter, the gun was pointed into the skies and shot into the air as they all sang, Ojodo is here, the legitimate son of Arira. We are grateful for the accepted cola. In addition to instituting a cultural custom of shooting a rifle into the skies during an obas or coronation, there are layers of meaning to be revealed based on an understanding of your language 
and numerous Western observations that can be made of this story that I've just shared. This morning, I would like to isolate three lessons for our reflection today. First, though Arira and Oshoto had taken different paths, they were on a common ground of a search for steadiness in a relationship and were led to the same place. Yet their individual longings, their search for direction and for answers to help them make sense of the chaos in their lives and for clarity on what could eradicate their feelings of incompleteness was tied to the larger legacy of a community. In following the prescription of Ifa, and in making the required sacrifice, Arira and Oshoto came face to face with joy. Through their willingness to follow their ori or their higher consciousness and the voice of love inside, they became vessels for the creation of something new and the renewal of a community that would experience the loss of an oba and an omo anade and thus a legacy. I told the young people of YRUU that I was called to Isheshe Lagba in two separate dreams 14 years before I would arrive in Nigeria for initiation. In the first dream, I was standing in a circle holding hands with people whose faces I could not recognize, but I knew instinctually that they were my Egbe, my ancestors, my family. Each time it was my turn to recite my line, play my role, fulfill my obligation to the ensemble, as when there is a scratch in the vinyl, the record would skip. I would falter on my line and the flow of our interaction would be interrupted. After several rounds of a broken rhythm, I heard my Egbe say clearly and resoundingly that we are waiting on you must go now. I awakened startled, unclear of where I was supposed to go, but unlike, but like Ojodu, I was ready with questions and ready to begin the journey. Own self-actualization and contribute to the fulfillment of the destiny of others. Friends, as the poet June Jordan wrote, we are the ones we've been waiting for. The personal sacrifices we make now on our journey to self-actualization can impact the healing of our families, our ilays, the institutions we serve, our communities, our nation, and our world. When the peacemakers, the voices of reason and carriers of our cultural and moral consciousness come to affirm your ori or what you already know inside and show you that your opportunity is here, will you, like Arira and Oshoto, hear what is said and make the sacrifice? How many individuals, what communities, what institutions are waiting on you to be self-accountable, to acknowledge your grief, emotional exhaustion, and insecurities, to move past your fear, your anger, your procrastination, 
to go see the therapist, to make the call, to finish the project, to start the business, to show up, to speak up so that the whole can move forward, thrive, and be successful. Two, in this indefinite period of dual pandemics, feelings of loss, isolation, and invisibility are real. But unlike Arira and Oshodol's relationship, many of us have been afforded with an abundance of time. Time to see the things we miss or take for granted in our normal busyness. Time to confront what we have chosen to ignore and more time is at our disposal to be in love. The late Gwendolyn Brooks said, to be in love is to touch with a lighter hand. In yourself, you stretch, you are well. You look at things through his eyes, her eyes, or the eyes of another, end quote. If you are here today and you can hear me and or see me, then you are still on the right side of water. And thus you still have time to choose to be in love with humanity, not just of your neighbors, but the humanity of strangers. You still have time to choose to touch each other with lighter hands and softer words, as did Arira Noshoro. You still have time to touch each other with actions that heal rather than hurt and renew rather than destroy. And you still have time to be in love with the possibilities well within our collective reach for dismantling systems and ways of living that are no longer serving our collective good. Three. How many of us are asking ourselves, how would this story be different if Oshoro had told Ojodu about his father before his stepfather dropped the bomb proverbially, or if Oshoro was able to tell Arira that she was pregnant before he died, or if Arira had told Oshoro that he was a prince. I tried to go here in my thinking as I was preparing this and immediately I heard a line from one of my favorite plays by August Wilson, Gem of the Ocean. And it was on Esther saying, people waste their time asking all the wrong questions. Friends, the performance of Ojoto's spiritual contract was tied to the events playing themselves out exactly as they unfolded. It was in his personal destiny to be born in love, but outside of our understanding of the institution of marriage, to be reared with only maternal devotion before gaining a stepfather, to rule with malice in his youth as opposed to goodwill, to receive the admonition of a man whose correction would ultimately teach him about self-reflection, benevolence, and ruling with care. And it was in his destiny to labor first before coming into sovereignty and wealth. These are the circumstances which worked together for Ojodo's highest good 
the molding of his character and the forces which created the conditions that ultimately brought him to the point of realizing his destiny. In Ishashe, the belief is that we are spiritual beings having human experiences in the marketplace. Ileaye is what we call it. And that our, our lives are an amalgamation of choices that are neither good nor bad, but a series of selections that lead to the fulfillment of our life's purpose. Some of us are ready to throw in the towel because the tests are too great and the consequences of failure are extreme and imminent. But Ojodo's example gives us inspiration. He was standing at the crossroads at what I am sure felt like a very dark hour. He was facing death. Perhaps Ojodo could have refused to take the legitimacy test and walked away. Yet if he had done so, he would have forfeited his inheritance. But he trusted his mother and most importantly, he did not let his fears keep him from actively pursuing his crown. Friends, do not let your fears unfounded or otherwise real keep you from actively pursuing your crowns for as it is also said in Ofun Otura, the place where you will be tested is where your fortune will come. I would like to close today's message with these thoughts because much of Ofun Otura deals with the coming of Shango, the Orisha of Thunder, or the fourth Alafin of the Oyo Empire, and as one of his praise names, uh, indicate Obakoso, the king who did not hang. In a Western sense, Omo Shango, or those who are children of Shango, like Ojodu, are often plagued with fear. And they spend a great deal of their lives working to develop this aspect of their character. Someone said or wrote, and I heard that faith and fear cannot coexist, but I disagree. I think in theory and as affirmed in the story I've shared with you this morning, that we can be afraid of the processes that lead to the building of our faith, but face them with courage and still have the confidence that this too, whatever this is, will pass. For as it is written in Odu Obe Irete or Obe Ate, even a brave hunter would fidget at the shooting of bullets like the divine stones of Shango Kawo Kapiesileo Bakoso. All of us are experiencing the challenges of 2020, but the challenges of the moment are manifesting as different tests depending on our individual destinies. Some of us are taking a test that is composed only of essays, while others of us have multiple choice options and maybe a few short answers. Regardless of the presentation, this pandemic and all that it has come to teach us is but a moment in the grand scheme of our lives. If Arira and Oshoro had been good students of nature, 
right? Had they been good old wolves of nature, they would have noticed that the sheep and the ram who were trying to couple were only mirroring their interactions to come. In 2020, the dual pandemics of COVID and racism are demonstrating that the force of nature and the force of humanity are mirroring each other and both forces are out of balance. But I do believe when humanity comes back to the middle, so too will nature. For as above in Orun, the source or the origin of all things, so below. And while we may be afraid, while the ground may feel as if it is shifting us under our feet, as I can imagine it did for Ojodu when he confronted his mother about his parentage, and while he was standing or staring down the barrel of a rifle over the grave of his father, if we fail to show up for our tests and master them, we will forfeit our fortunes. For Arira and Oshoro, their fortune was a chance at being in love. For Ojodu, his fortune was a chieftaincy. But for all of us here today, our fortune is the crown of the good position. For as it was written in the Odu Irosu Wari, Orumila said, the good position is in the world a world in which there will be full knowledge of all things, joy everywhere, life without anxiety or fear because of our inner power, good character and wisdom that can adequately govern the world as a whole because of our sacrifice or the cultivation of the habit of doing good to the poor or those who need your help. And because of our desire to increase the world's prosperity rather than destroy it. May our collective will and the, and the, and the desire to achieve the good position and master the lessons of Ofun Tara make it so. And I say Ashe. Yes, uh, may we all meet our individual tests with courage. Maybe help from the ancestors would, would help a lot too. Um, thank you so much.
We will say now the words to extinguish the chalice. We will find Gigi. I will paste the words in the chat. All right, here we go together. We extinguish this So in closing today, I want to say, Kiani Pa, Owo, Omo, Obo. And may we all be blessed with all of the projects and things we want to manifest. May we all be blessed with abundance that we need. May we all be blessed with long life and good health. May whatever our image of the holy is bring joy to our households, to our communities, and to our families. And may none of us meet with premature death and the unexpected in ways that we cannot recover from.